This episode is brought to you by Phil's Tackle Box. Phil's Tackle Box is the official online retailer for premium fish everything baits. You'll be sure to love the professional service, faster than fast shipping times, and easy to use website. Follow the Instagram and Facebook pages, which will be linked in this episode description to keep up with bait drops and much more. In addition, Scales and Tails podcast listeners get 15% off their order with code SCALES at checkout. Again, that's code SCALES at checkout for 15% off. Now, back to the episode. and welcome back to another episode of your favorite swim bait podcast scales and tails today i am joined by mr bo spire he uh if anybody who doesn't know him look him up on swim bait uh universe and you see him uh kind of really fishing offshore stuff which i mean you don't see a lot of a lot of guys uh who, who do swim bait fish are usually fishing up shallow and not only that he's also using his electronics which is something that uh I personally wanted to talk about today because that's something that is a lot of mixed mixed emotions in the fishing world. And uh, he is a guy in the swim bait world who takes full advantage of that and has figured it out to like to a T. At least it looks like in the videos to me, it looks like he's got it figured out. So I'm going to let Bo introduce himself and then we'll uh, we'll get into the topics today. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, excited to be here. Um, so, yeah, I'll. I, I'm I grew up and just kind of started fishing for brim and, and well, Sacolade down there, but crappie, everybody calls it or everywhere else, essentially. Uh, <laughs> never had an electronics. We had flat bottom boat with, you know, with a tiller and all that stuff. And uh, yep. took a hiatus on fishing all through, you know, high school, college. And, and you know, I'm a doctor. I went to med school. And so it's a good, I don't know. From probably 15 years old until almost 30 years old, very minimal fishing. And uh, I moved up. I'm in, in northwest Alabama now. And started having time and could afford a boat, got a boat, and started, you know, getting on the river out here. <laughs> you know, when I first started, I, you know, I, when I grew up, we didn't have electronics, and you'd just go fishing. Kind of obvious spots, beating the bank, that sort of thing. Uh, and funny enough, I didn't actually start bass fishing until I moved up here with targeting Oh, bass. really? And, and I didn't do that until, see, I moved up here in 2014. 2016, 2017 is when I, I started bass fishing. When I first moved here, dude, I bought a, a 2072 Tractor Grizzly flat bottom center console. And I, every time I got on the water, it was a meat haul. The only reason I had uh, electronics was for a map because you run the river out here without a map, you can get in trouble, which I did my first right. couple of trips. The damn thing aground uh, twice, actually. I had my boat for a week and broke part of the keel off, uh, off, the, off, the, uh, off the motor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, fishing for striper and catfish and whatever else I could put in the box, you know, I started getting into bass fishing a little bit, and I would take it bass fishing. And in the summers... You know, everybody's out deep out here. I live not far from Pickwick Lake, about, I don't know, five, ten minutes. And to do that, you kind of need electronics. The, the, the older guys, they would just use down imaging and get on the, these deep water main lake ledges and just kind of cruise them until they found fish and throw buoy markers out. Well, a lot of times that took forever. Uh, and, you know, the more I try to do it, the more I get frustrated and just end up doing my usual thing. 
beating the bank, catching little ones, all that good stuff. And ended up selling that boat. Got a, a tractor, 195 aluminum, much better electronics. Started fishing offshore and fishing with some guys. I took a couple of guide trips because, uh, like I said, I've never really bass fished a whole lot, just the whole time. Um, uh, it started learning electronics, fishing with other people. Um, made friends with a lot of guys in the area because, I mean, uh, you know, usually my free time is spent on the water uh, for the most part uh, when I can anyway. Um, so, and learn from them, watched a ton of YouTube videos, did a ton of reading, uh, a lot of map study, trying to figure out, you know, high percentage areas because I don't have much time. I have to narrow things down, right? Yeah. Uh, so try, try to find those high percentage areas. Um, Started uh, fishing out deep, probably 2018, 2018, 2019, kind of things started clicking. A bunch of, you know, bunch of good days, you know, catching catching fish. I mean, high numbers, not a whole lot of size. Every once in a while, I'm lucky to a good one uh, or a couple of good ones. You know, 20 pounds for me was a huge bag at, up to that point. I was just happy to catch fish, throwing, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and... <clears throat> decided to upgrade my boat and but actually in that aluminum boat i probably man I, I think i had 200 fish days fishing out deep oh my god uh, 20 yeah 2018 ish 2019 a uh, bunch of 50 fish days so some of these schools out here man and and back a couple of years ago the lake had grass and the fishing was so much better it's kind of went down the last couple of years uh a couple of years here on pickwick but Man, you, it, it's every cast for an hour, hour and a half. You just rip them in the boat. And it didn't matter what you had on the hook half the time. You get them fired up, they'll eat whatever. It was, it was something. Um, but created to a glass boat, 2019, I think. Um, once again, you know, I had electronics added uh, uh, a second graph on my bow to, to run maps, plus a, a, a Mega 360. Uh, instead of uh, live scope at that point, I you know kind of wish I had, but I used 360, um, yeah, and just started fishing structure out deep. Um, during the summers, I mean, the ledge fishing is kind of the same deal. You you go to your go to the usual areas where you think they might be. You're looking in pockets and off those pockets. And if you look at a map of Pickwick Lake, there's all these small cuts, and then you have the main river channel. Well, you have channels a lot of times aren't on the maps, and you just kind of uh, scan back and forth in front of these uh, creeks until you find find the ledge uh, the, the creek channels and the ledges on the creek channels a lot of times that's where the fish will set up you know, you know there's a lot of uh, community holes that way and it, you know, started to find my own stuff and had better luck and other times of the year spring winter uh, it's just isolated deep structure I mean they're not just graphing around not you know same kind of areas but uh, instead of they, they don't really set up on the ledges like they like they would during summer, but you just find a brush pile out deep, you know, in, in outside of these creeks or just on the inside of the creeks during winter uh, would have some decent luck. And then I added live scope in the end of twenty twenty. No, it was twenty twenty one, I think. Twenty twenty one, I added live scope. I was running five graphs on my boat at that point, uh, which is excessive but i want to learn i want to learn as much as i could and, and live scope was you know everybody starting to use it and man that that changed the game that 
that kind of opened my eyes to, to a different style of fishing. Now it's, I hate to say it, but I kind of rely on it to a degree. Right. Now, have you been able to, do you think that it's affected? So you were saying how you were having like 200 fish days, 50 fish days. Um, do you feel like it's a more uh, consistent thing with live scope or does it just kind of make it a little bit easier pinpointing those fish and kind of having a visual marker where to cast to and stuff? It's a bit different, it, and the, the the way I fish now is different than what I did then. I threw pretty much all conventional uh, with a few yeah. swim bait stuff. I mean, you're not no real big swims. I'm talking like you know six inch, seven inch paddle tails, normal deep water ledge fishing stuff that a, even a conventional fisherman would, would fish. Um, and just had a bunch of numbers, not a whole lot of size, but about the same time I, I got live scope, I kind of really got into really got into uh, uh, you know the swim baits almost exclusively I still th- throw some conventional but it, it's you know, you know kind of traditional big fish stuff um, I'm, I'm at this point I'm usually targeting during the summer targeting schools um, and you know same kind of high percentage areas and finding a mo- uh, uh, finding mobile live scope and trying to pick individual fish unless I see them kind of set up in a certain way where I, I can kind of feel like I feel like they're going to bite, and I'll, I'll throw into them. And that's this year. That's what I've done, and it's been it's been great so far. It's it's kind of hard to replicate that any time other time of year. Summer's just kind of a different animal. And that's I love fishing in the summer, man. Yeah. So <clears throat> when when you did switch over to swim baits, were you kind of fishing like huds and stuff? Kind of something that was different than the conventional stuff you were fishing, but also had a similarity uh, as like those paddle tails and stuff. You're like, okay. This HUD is just more or less a big paddle tail. Like I just got to cast it out there, sink it, roll it past them. Or did you kind of do, I guess, a 180 and start fishing like the K9 or uh, you? is it the Shadley you fish? Is that the other swim bait I always see you fish? Yeah, you, you know, the Shadley FG, Shadley S2, or the S2 rather, uh, the Piz, Piz, bigger Piz shag lies is, is what I throw mostly now. Um, but when, when I first started live scoping, kind of doing what I do now, it was a lot of, you know, mag drafts, so, uh, you know, smaller glides and, you know, o- over the winter, a lot of, I'm sorry, I'm kind of jumbling up here. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hinkle shads during the winters in that FG, uh, what I threw a lot, uh, pretty much all I threw and had decent luck, but kind of the same deal. Targeting that, targeting that deep water structure and, and casting into them, bringing it past them and, you know, this past winter, I think I fished, the shallowest I would fish probably was 10, 12 foot um, and down to 30 foot. I've caught several down at 30 foot. Just sinking, waiting a minute, minute and a half, sometimes letting that bait sink down uh, and just slowly reeling past whatever you know, standing timber in, in deeper water uh, off the side of humps and stuff like that. Uh, they tend to set up, you know, during the winter, they're, they're, to me, they're holding on the structure to stay warm because that structure holds warmth whether it be rock piles, timber, et cetera, brush piles. Yeah. I mean, it, that's kind of the same thing here. Um, early spring fishing, like fishing like Michigan and stuff, those fish uh, really relate to those that rip wraps rock structure, like on Lake Michigan, pierheads and stuff. And there's always a good chance that you can go out there early season, like early season here being like May, and you can catch you can catch a 20, 25 pound bag of smallmouth or largemouth just because 
that rock is so isolated from everything else and it just holds that uh, heat from the sun in those early spring days. And it, uh, it, it, it's a pattern to get on for sure. Obviously it's nothing crazy. Like you said, like 20, 30 feet down, usually this stuff's like 10 to 15 feet down, but there's just enough there for them to kind of relate to that stuff here. Uh, I, I will say, you know, fishing, uh, you know, I fish a lot of smaller lakes in my area, um, but I also still fish the river, not as much this year, just because uh, the amount of pressure it's had, and it's, it's just not fishing well. Uh, fishing the river, I mean, you got to fight current. A lot of, you know, I, I think you fight, uh, you fish some current areas as well. Fishing big lines, and if you're going to fish deeper water, it makes it very difficult. You got to wait, yeah, you know, wait, wait that thing down to get down quick. Or you know, adjust accordingly. Cast away up, uh, up, up from where you're gonna be fishing through, and then and then bring it through. Yeah, it's 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 weird going from current to a lake or something, or like a spot in the current or spot in the river that doesn't have current. I've been fishing mm-hmm. the last like month in the river, and then um, I was just up north, and I'm fishing like Lake Michigan, like a marina on Lake Michigan. And there's like no current at all. And I cast it out there. And I'm like, wow, like this is a straight retrieve. Like it's so nice relative to kind of having a fan retrieve where you cast upstream and then you're, you're 10 or 15 yards downstream by the time you get your bait over where you want it or just like get it back to you. It's nice fishing a lake. I never realized it until I started fishing the rivers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, I, and, and on the river when they are, I'm not going to fish, you know, my, my, my iron stuff just because you get stuck in a lot of this. You're, the, they're repping so much current, your trolling motor won't keep up. So I, I tend to throw, you know, like S waivers. Um, uh, what is it? Project swim bait, the glide, and a lot, mostly soft plastic stuff that I can get down quick and kind of just bounce bounce around on the rock. You're going to get stuck. You're going to lose space. That's just part of it. Uh, and I'd rather not have to, you know, rather not lose any of my, my quote, nicer stuff. Right. So when you're fishing the river, are you using your electronics or is that mostly just kind of reading the river and reading the current and going off instinct and what you already know? Um, a, a little bit of both. Depends on what part of the river. Fishing upriver, in the tail races, that's your, it's a narrow turn of the river. 50,000, 100,000, 150,000 cubic feet a second uh, out of the generator. So it, it can get pretty swift. Um, that You really can't use electronics effectively. It's more of you know, if you do, it's wrapping larger rock piles and then and just fishing, fishing through them. You're drifting over them rather than kind of sitting on the spot and watching your bait come through. It's more of a feel thing. You got to go by instinct. That further downriver here on the on the river, uh, you know, it's a lot wider. You don't have as much fe- effect of the current. You can lar- larger current eddies and set up in the eddies and fish the eddies, um, which is you know something I try to. You can still do that upriver in certain areas those spots compared to further down river. Um, one thing I really wanted to talk about is, so, so you got the live target and everything. Um, did that kind of reinvent the way you fished or did you still go to these spots that you were using uh, 360 at and stuff? And were you kind of able to pick that apart a little bit more or did you kind of recreate the wheel, go and look at all your maps, look at your topography maps and look at all your structures and pins and everything and waypoints. And did you kind of piece together like a new plan or did you just go with what worked and were you able to kind of uh, expand on it because you could see what those fish were doing, like live, live reaction to your baits and that sort of thing. More, more to your last point, uh, really, you know, I have my usual areas. I, I, 
I know what's in that that area that I'm fishing. And with yeah. three six with three sixty, if they're schooled up, you can see the school of fish, and they're probably not going to venture far from where you see them. Um, but you know, in, in summer that that's fine. But in other times of the year, when they're more scattered, you know, you know, have smaller wolf packs or, or single fish, I'm able to you know go to that structure, pinpoint it with with the live scope, and then pan around, see how they look, how they're set up, where they are. You know, are they on bottom? Are they in the middle of the structure? Are they on top of it? Behind it? In front of it? And to me, that kind of saves time. Uh, you know, I'm making fewer casts and hopefully upping upping my percentage of uh, chance of getting getting bit. Uh, that being said, it, it can be kind of a black hole where you're just staring, you're staring, throwing the same fish forever, and getting frustrated. Which early on, I, I you know I did that a ton. I mean, trying to bag a fish to bite, throwing twenty different baits at it, and that fish isn't going to eat. So. Um, I've, the more I've, I've used it, the more I've learned that you can tell, you know, that a fish is more likely just kind of how it's set up. And it's, very, it's hard to explain how that looks until you really see it for yourself, uh, to be honest. It, there's no secret to it. I mean, if I had a good way of explaining it, I would. But <laughs> you can just you can just tell, you know, and you can ask a lot of other guys that fish similar that they might say the same thing. Um but, you know, I can look at a fish on, on the graph, see how it's set up, and, you know, say, well, it's probably not going to eat. Or I'll make one cast with whatever bait I have tied on. If it doesn't react, try a different style bait. If it doesn't react, I'm done with that fish for, you know, for now, and I'll go find something else. Um, but how I prefer to, to, to fish it is, you know, find structure because fish are going to relate to that and pick, uh, pick fish around. Yeah, I've, I've gotten to use electronics once or twice this year and uh it's 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 weird to be standing on the boat in your trolling motor it your trolling motor is like pretty much your eyes in the water and you kind of kind of survey where you are and you see a mark and you're like oh that's a fish you cast over to it and um you can see you can see your glide bait moving across and then you just kind of see this blip like break off from the bottom and start to follow it um I've never caught a fish doing it, but I've had some fish follow like wolf pack and it is, it is the craziest thing ever to see. Um, if I had a boat, I would definitely buy that just because it, it, it seems like, like you were talking about, it's less cast. If, if you don't have a lot of time, you need to capitalize on the time you do have. And it definitely helps with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is absolutely to me, to me, it does. And it's, it's become pretty much, you know, my, my go-to. I still fish, quote, shallow, you know, but usually it's me, you know, tossing lay downs or tossing out, out a bank around structure or grass or what have you. But I'm always panning the trolling motor out deep looking for fish. You know, so some areas, you know, there's a, a shallow spot that you're fishing. You look off to, you know, the, the deeper water, there's a drop off. And a lot of times I have fish set up on it. I found, I think, two or three different schools this year. Uh, right after post bomb i couldn't really get them to eat this yet uh but that's how i found them and went back to them and just until after until they just start firing off and i don't know that was probably mid late may mid late may into june and then it's it was on man I, I, i've caught god knows how many fish it's been great yeah do you ever pull up like uh, a week or two pull up to the same spot and and put your put your trolling motor down and do you think you ever see those same fish there, or do your guys' fish move around quite a bit that it's it's kind of a, a hot spot for the fish, but the fish don't actually stay there for long periods of time? 
they, 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 they have general areas. The fish that I've been, I've been catching recently, they have general, a general area where they typically will set up. Um, and depending on where they're set up, you can kind of tell if they're going to eat. There's been a bunch of times where I go, I go, find, I go, I find the school because they're not, they're not in the same spot, but you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards away, find the school. Uh, and if, you know, if a lot of times if they're set up differently, they won't eat. Um, but for the most part, to answer your question, simply, yes, uh, uh, both of those things. They set up in general areas. Uh, other spots, they will set up on that same spot over and over again. Right. I mean, that's what I figured. Uh, another kind of funneling question. Do, do you ever get frustrated because you can see those fish down there, whether it be one or two trips out in a row, you can see those fish down there and they're not, they're not positioned right. So you either don't, don't cast at them, just keep going, or you do cast at them and they don't, they don't take interest in it. Is, is that something you've kind of learned to accept or is that still something that kind of irks you a little bit? Like I know there's fish down there, but no matter if I had this graph or not, I obviously, they don't want to eat what I have right now. Oh yeah. That's, that's every trip, but somewhere on the lake, almost any about of water, I believe there's going to be fish biting. So I make my milk run. If my, you know, start off for, at, at a particular spot, if they're not eating there, I just make my way around to a fine fish that are eating and then work my way back around. And in the meantime, if, if I can't really get any of them to fire up, I mean, I'll just cruise an area of the lake I hadn't been to in a little while um, and kind of do what I've been doing, and, you know, beat, beating the laydowns and cruising the bank and then keep looking out deep to try to find fish. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so you fish these glide baits and then you fish the canine. How you said it's probably about 20, 30 feet you're, you're pulling these fish out of usually? In, in winter, uh, they tend to set up a little deeper. In the summer, a couple of lakes, uh, a lot of the lakes that I'm fishing, and this is going to, I guess, kind of be universal to most lakes, forms a thermocline in the summer. Once your water tends to get to a certain temperature, the uh, uh, deeper waters don't hold enough oxygen to support the fish. They'll still go down below the thermocline, but for the most part, they're going to set up at that thermocline in deeper water. Uh, so what I'm targeting is... Uh, flats from above structure that meets the thermocline or just comes just above it and uh, a lot of times that's where i'm finding them especially if, uh, if there's bait nearby They're, they'll set up on that uh to kind right. of i guess describe one of my uh spots because it's one of my, my go-tos um it's a creek channel that comes off the bank and it's a big flat but a creek channel comes off the middle of it um and then drops off into deeper water but there's about a 50-yard stretch by 20-yard stretch where that creek channel is that they'll set up in different particular areas. Some days they're out in the deeper part, which I found that, that, and they're more kind of spread out, and I have trouble getting them to eat then. I'll get one or two to eat every once in a while, but for the most part, they're, they're not active. But when they come up a little shallower and are more concentrated, I mean, there have been a couple of trips this year up to 10 casts in a row, and I'm pulling a fish in almost every time. Jeez. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so you're out there. What's what's kind of your go-to, whether you're going to fish a glide or you're going to... So when you fish the canine, you mostly put that deep, uh, the deep lip in and you crank it down, right? Kind of like a big crankbait, more or less. Yep. And I'm fishing as fast as my arms will let me. Oh, really? That's ridiculous. 
So when you pull up to a spot, what determines, obviously depth probably determines because um, for anybody who hasn't seen you, you've made the mention a couple of times that uh, if you could get custom lips made for your canine, like it'd be nice to get it deeper. So other than depth, what really determines what rod you're picking up or what bait you're going to toss at them to, to try to get them to eat? It, it depends on how they're set up. If they're more kind of loosely associated with each other, is there, uh, yeah, if they're more loosely associated with each other, I don't, I'm not confident that they're entirely active. I'll throw, you know, I'll throw a live bait and fish it slow through them, see how they react. Uh, a lot of times they're just going to kind of lazy follow it and they're not going to eat it at that point. Doesn't matter what you do. Um, and if I see it, they're doing that, I'll grab the canine, burn it in front of them. Uh, well, yeah, burn it in front of them. And a lot of times they're either going to eat it or get out of the way. If they're getting out of the way, I'll cat, let them sit, you know, they'll scatter. Give them a couple minutes, let them kind of recongregate and throw back at them. And then I'll, I'll reel it down to depth and kind of reel it down to them and kind of twitch it through them. I guess dead twitch, I guess you can call it other, other calling it. So you, so that's when they're kind of spaced out when they're really tight, like knit, knit, yeah, really tight knit group. Is that kind of when they seem to be more aggressive as far as like behavior wise and how they're positioned? They can be, yes. Um, caveat to that, if there's really no bait around, a lot of times they still won't eat. They'll just, like the whole group will just follow the bait in. But if there's bait near, nearby and you see the bait start swirling swirling around uh, on the graph, a lot of times those fish are active, I'll throw at them. And, uh, whether it be glide or a swimmer or crank, whatever it may be, uh, reel it right through them. A lot of times I'll give them a trigger. That'll trigger a bite. Okay. I mean... It, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy that this is such an effective thing, and I don't know. It. I mean, personally, I'm kind of intimidated to fish uh, off the bank, do offshore fishing. But it's like a proven fact that guys who do like lay the hammer to them. You see all these guys who who fish big crankbaits and everything like in tournaments, and they catch big bags of bass. And it's kind of it. It just there's not a lot of guys who adopt it, and when they do, like it's like a, it's like a light switch and they're it's just it's go time for them i don't know it's it's crazy to see honestly like looking at it from the outside yeah it's uh you know and, and like i like i mentioned before summer fishing is kind of a different animal you know in the, uh, this past winter i went you know i'm a big hunter too and i stayed out of the woods just because i'm, I'm after a big one and i was did not get one this year but this past winter um uh, but it's throw out there wait forever to get it to to where i'm seeing the fish and then slowly bring it through I mean, each pass is several minutes long uh you know uh, so it takes forever but it, it has been effective good for one or two in the summer those fish are feeding they're a lot of times they're active you know once they come off the spawn they, they start feeding up it's you know uh, it's a whole different ball of wax and like right. i said that that canine uh, it's pretty much one of the, you know, I can, I have a bunch of different crank downs, but that's been the one that I can reel the fastest, which is why I go to it. Uh, I mean, it, I run a, 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 it's on a Corrado K300, six to six uh, gear ratio. It doesn't look like I'm reeling that fast, but that's about as fast as I can do that without wearing myself out after five casts. <laughs> if you look at it on right. the screen, it, it's screeching across the screen. Oh my gosh! And they just, they'll just come up and just clobber it. I don't even see them eating on the graph because it's moving that fast. It's it's a matter of I found the fish, 
I kind of make a few fan casts at them and I find out where they're, where they're kind of set up the most. And once I start getting them eaten, it's, you know, it's kind of on. Damn. Uh, it really, what, what really, tail? Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's, you know, it, and when I do crank it down, just crank it down to, to the bottom and then grind, grind, grind. A lot of times when you hit something, you know, I'll pause it and you'll probably, anybody who's seen some of my videos, you'll see it, me kind of set the hook. Usually that's either A, a bite that they swiped at, or two, I've, I've hit something very hard and I thought it was a fish and I set the hook and it wasn't. But as soon as I <laughs> let go of the, uh, you know, let tension off the line, that bait stops, they come back and hammer it. Yeah, it's deflecting, all a, all a deflecting, yeah, crank, all... deflecting crank downs and stuff that you get killed doing that. They clobber it no matter what it seems like. Yep, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's, it's no different, just deeper water. Um, so my question with the K9, what tail setup are you fishing? Are you fishing the standard tail or the V tail? Or what does it not really matter because it's getting down there so quick and you're, you're burning it so fast? Uh, no, I pull it out of the box, put the wide lip in it, and tie it on. That's it. Okay. You know, the tail up, I guess, uh, is this stock configuration, just put the wide lip. You can, you can flip the tail over. It's, a, it's not as aggressive a wobble, I guess you could say. Um, and I haven't really played with it just because what I've been doing has been reasonably effective for me. So I just kind of, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay, kind of transferring over to gl glides. Since we talked about cranking on the K9. So when you're glide bait fishing these guys, cast it out there, sink it down, watch it. Are you burning it past them? Or are you kind of doing uh, real twitches to to kind of get that erratic, uh, dying, dying like motion to them? Or are you just doing the same thing, burning it past them, and it's kind of more of a reaction bite? Like, what the hell just passed my face? Like, I might as well go eat it if it's down here. Yeah. Um, usually the, the, the smaller, like, 7-inch glides, 8-inch glides, like the S2, I fish a ton. Um, the the Tato Eon's another one that I've, I've had good luck on. It's because it's a little small profile, and I can fish it very fast, very well. Um, getting it, get it down there and real twitches, or uh, rod twitches, and, and pretty quick, like, you know, every, every half turn it and bring it past their heads, and they usually, you know, I can usually get them to eat it or just straight reel it. You know, that Shadley FG, it does better if I just kind of straight reel it. Okay. So, have I guess, like, a big question, if, if when you're fishing these schools of fish, obviously there's usually more than one down there. Have Do you have fish... Uh, often fight over the bait if not uh, hook two at a time or is that something that hasn't happened just yet i've actually had it done i i, had, I did it twice last year um on a, a a blunt customs deep diver it was a, a 510 and a 62 i think were, uh, they were yeah they got two or three of them they're all trying to get after the bait as well but they just you know not getting to it but i've hooked i have three or four doubles usually smaller fish you know you'll have a, a three, couple of three pounders hooked to it never no, not often will i get something real big hooking doubles but that one last year was my biggest one yeah that's that's crazy <clears throat> um for your setup now you said you're fishing the corrado 306 to 6 your rod are you fishing uh does has the rod seem to make or break the setup at all really or are you fishing just a standard uh, heavy Leviathan or medium, medium? Well, probably not medium heavy with the K9. Related to the bait and the reel that you're fishing, the rod is just kind of the component to get the bait out there. 
Uh, the, yes, the rod does matter. Absolutely. Um, I, I threw it on the meat this year. Um, uh, last year, I was throwing them on my Dobbins rods. Um, I didn't have, but I think, one Leviathan or two Leviathans. Nothing that would throw the canine very well yet. Um, and this year, I had to use my medium heavy for a little while to try to, try to throw that canine, which it throws fine, but it, it's too soft uh, whenever they hit it to get those hooks in them, and I was losing a ton of fish. So you know, using the Leviathan heavy um, has been, you know, even the extra heavy, the extra heavy is a little too much rod. I, I tend to horse them sometimes, which people yell at me about, or I'm not using dragon with a bunch of fish, but the heavy, I was one three fish. Losing some fish here and there, which is going to happen much less. The rod, you know, whenever you set the hook, it needs to shut down. Medium heavy wasn't shutting down. I guess that's right. my that's my theory anyway. Um, uh, soon enough to get those hooks buried. So the the, the um, you know Leviathan Omega Heavy has been my I go to. Extra heavy will do it too, but I, I feel like it's a little too much to do it. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Is there, do you have to fight these fish that are 20, 30 feet down? Do you have to fight them any differently than, than you would if you're fishing 10 foot up shallow? Is it more, more of a kind of grind because they have so much line to work with? I mean, you have to vertically pull them up 30 feet while also getting them closer to the boat relative to more or less those fish that you catch in shallow water more times than not. They're they're around like that five foot range. So it's more of just getting them to the boat and not having to lift them up to the boat. Um, I, I can fight them kind of the same, but having more line out obviously can be an issue. They have more time to shake their heads. You grind them or not, they're, you know, you're going to have fish that come off. And I've had plenty of people, you know, make fun this year for, for losing fishes. I've lost a bunch of them. Um, and I think I kind of dial it down. I think my, my big issue is, you know, using drag more. I had my drag locked down and I was pulling hook, pulling them all, you know, pulling hooks free or bending hooks and that sort of stuff. But uh, the last couple of trips, it's, you know, fight them the same as I always do, just, you know, loosen my drag and it's been kind of a non issue. But yeah, yeah, they, yeah you... I, I fight them all the same for the most part. Okay. Are you fishing braid, mono, copolyfluoro? What, what's, what's your go to when you're fishing that deep? Uh, 25 pound triple X Izor. Okay. Yeah. So what? Yeah, twenty-five pound. Um, for my heavy setups and my extra heavy setups, big bait stuff, the the cranks, I try to use heavier line, especially with the cranks, because I know I'm be bouncing off stuff. I know I'm gonna get stuck. You know, um, I'm not worried about. You know, I don't have to worry about it nearly as much in that eyesores. I mean, it's it's tough. So it's been an issue. For the, yes. I I will st I will throw the TK doing the same thing sometimes if they set up a little shallower they hadn't really done that like they did this year like they did last year last year i caught most of my fish down to but this year they set up deeper 10 12 foot so the canine's been going to go to um, but yeah uh, 25 foot on triple x size or do you do you modify um your like your glide baits and stuff do you put those lead strips on them to get them down there to sink faster or do you just get the sinking or slow sinking model just kind of uh figure out how long you have to count it down for i guess you can watch it on the graph too that helps a lot too so you're not sitting there and reeling it in thinking that you're on bottom and you're only 10 feet under the water and those fish are still 20 foot below you yeah everything is all either heavy float or slow sink uh or suspend um the fast sink stuff you know i can't do anything i don't want to fish that bait shallower so i, I tend to keep 
at most slow sink and I'll modify it in the way I need to. The uh, Zapu board weights, one or two grams, depending on what any sink of that bait is, if I need to sink more. And then I'll add what I need. One thing I did this year that I did in the past was uh, using grenade weights. Yeah. Uh, my go to setup is um, two glide baits, the Chadley FG. I think on, on, I have two of them. One of them, for the most part, left stock, and I'll just add a grid of hanger. And I get on and off depending on what depth I'm fishing. And then I turn around and see fish out deep. I'll pop it on the front hook hanger, and it's it's more of a medium sink, and it'll actually stay down. Yeah, I mean that helps. I'll do the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I'll do that. I mean, kind of the, the same thing with with the uh, with the smaller glides too. Just you know, add weight as needed, and but really those grenade weights have, have been have been great because you know the you want to change weight using the the board weights, you got to rip them off and. I've actually pulled pieces of resin out uh, off Jeez. the bait, trying to get them, get them off, pulling paint off, that sort of thing. So I try not to use them as much, um, but sometimes, you know, I do. And a couple of my baits, I, I have them slow sink the way they're set up with, with board weights and, once again, just add grenade weights. Yeah, and that's, that yeah. seems, yeah, I was about to say, the grenade weights seem the, the most user-friendly because you don't have to worry about ripping off paint or, like you said, just completely tearing the bait apart by the sounds of it yeah because i'm taking it on and off you know multiple times a day for the most part i mean depending if they're biting doing what, I, what they're usually doing i don't have to change anything but if i gotta you know uh, scramble and try to find fish you know at, you know switching baits switching weights you know it can be kind of a you know it is what it is oh yeah for sure uh have you so just kind of to uh, compiled a list together what are your pros to fishing electronics and then what do you kind of miss about not having necessarily the 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 power to see how these fish are exactly relating to your bait is there any is there any cons to it at all relative to the pros that you take away from it cons to it yes i, I don't just go fishing you know where you just uh, see the lay of Lake, the lake in front of you, fishing off points, that sort of thing. I end up staring at my electronics and getting frustrated a lot of times. Uh, less yeah. so during the, during the summer, just because I kind of have an idea of what they're going to do. But other times of year, man, chasing fish around, chasing schools of fish around. You know, when they're when they're feeding because they're moving all over the place, it, it gets frustrating. I need to, you know, there have been times where I just turn front electronics off and just go, you know, fish the bank just to fish and try to get find, figure something out. Right. And then obviously the pros are pretty much what we've talked about this whole time. Like it, it, it saves, it saves you wasted time and it kind of, kind of helps you make your time out there a little bit more successful relative to compared to the guys who can spend five days out of the week out there fishing where you might only get two or three times to fish throughout the week. Yeah, exactly. You know, efficiency because I'm a lot busier than I was when I when I first start, started bass fishing. I got when I first moved up here, you know, my wife was pregnant. She had her own thing going on during the day and I have time off during the week because of what I do for a living. And man, I'd be out, you know, sun up to sundown several days a week that I had off during the week and there's nobody else out there. Nowadays with two kids, you know, I'm working half that sort of thing. I might get, you know, every once in a while I get a couple of days in a row, which usually I can figure something out, but you know, for the most part, if I just have a couple of hours, get out there, find some fish, and, and you know, hopefully do some damage. 
Yeah. And I guess kind of one of my last questions for you, have you felt that the the stuff you've learned from the electronics, uh, whether that be fish behavior, uh, fish like relating during times of the year and stuff, has that made you a better angler all around, do you think? Or do you think it's just kind of uh, kind of just a little bit, it's like your third eye almost, your third eye into the water and you know how these fish are reacting. It just helps that you're able to to make those precise casts to kind of make it worth it. I try to learn something every time I'm out there, do an after action review on my drive, on my drive home. What what could I have done differently? You know, maybe get bit that sort of thing. Um, since I started all this, I've learned a ton. Even in the last, you know, this year compared to last year. So uh, the electronics are, are definitely have definitely changed the game for me. Right, and it sounds like it. It's it's helped you out a bunch. Like you know you know, like you were just explaining that if those fish are tight together, it's going to be a little bit easier to get them to bite relative to if they're a little bit more spread out, a little more uh, social distancing that you kind of have to kind of get a reaction bite relative to maybe like a territorial bite if they're all grouped together. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the big thing too, say I'm, I'm fishing, if I don't have electronics, I'm just fishing point blind. With the electronics, even the 360, when I didn't have live scope, I can see that you know, a brush pile or a creek channel bed or a ledge or uh, where two creek beds are coming together into an underwater point. I can see that on the graph and preferentially fish it rather than fishing a bunch of, quote, dead area where it's less likely to hold fish. So once again, it's just a matter of, you know, a, a more efficient time on the water, I guess. You're spending your time more effectively than if you, like, if you just said, like, you're casting a blind water and it makes it easier to to kind of uh, pattern these fish because if you see them in a creek creek bed or creek channel, you're like, okay, I, you can go to your maps and kind of pick out a couple spots you want to hit up and say, okay, this is this is what they're relating to here. Can I go and uh, replicate this four miles down the lake? And is it going to be the same, or am I going to have to kind of find something new to fish for the day? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, a big thing, even if you you know talking a lot about electronics even if you don't have electronics maps if your lake has maps spend a lot of time on them you know when i'm at work and i have you know a few minutes downtime a lot of times i'll have the lake map pulled up in front of me and and try to pick out areas or subtleties that i didn't see before that would next time i go out you know I'll, sometimes i'll make notes on my phone you know go and take a look at those areas is it is, are there fish there kind of thing you know is it worth fishing you don't really know until you see it on the uh, you know see it once you're out there. But map study helps a bunch. You can you can eliminate eliminate a lot of water that you 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 otherwise would the fish. Yeah, and then it also helps you um, for that spot that you've been passing up for the last three years, and you kind of you kind of get a look down there, like oh, this is a random random hole in the lake, or there's a random brush pile down there that I had no idea was down there because I'd never been able to, to see the structure that was in this lake relative to just what's on topography maps and Navionics and that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is there anything else you want to touch on before we close it up? I, I mean, you're, you're the electronic guy. So if there's anything you want to kind of help everybody uh, get out of the way, whether it be a stigma or just a few tips that you've learned along the way, go ahead and, uh, to bless everybody with that sort of stuff. The biggest thing I could advice I have for anybody is get on the water. You know, maps, no map, electronics, no electronics. Get out there and fish. That's that's your best way of learning. 
if you do have electronics, use them. My, my boy Ashton Mylan, he uh, he had a hard time with that, but recently he's uh, he, he came out with me and I showed him a couple of things. And look, I'm no guru. I just I use it and I'm trying to help people out catch fish too. You know, um, just get out and use it. Spend time with not fishing for for a little bit and just looking at the electronics, playing with settings, changing your resolution, changing your sensitivities, changing your color palettes. Um, you know, till till you find what you think you're looking for, you know, and uh, once it clicks, it clicks, and I mean, you, you're not going to forget that. But time in the water is king. That's that's where you're gonna. That's where you you get your bones. Right. Yeah. It's it's not. Uh, you can't go out there with. I mean, you can. You can go out there with electronics and catch fish, but if you don't know a single lick about that lake or what those fish act like, it's going to be hard to replicate a bite that you you stumbled upon. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I mean, if that's everything you have, man, we can we can close it down. I just I want to thank you for coming on because there's a stigma, not even necessarily in the swimbait world, just in fishing in general, that if you have these electronics in this day and age, like you either are catching a lot of fish or it's it's quote unquote like cheating almost because it's it's video game fishing. And obviously by the way you were just talking, it's it's not that. I mean, you have you have a sight that not other people have, but that doesn't make those fish bite or anything. If if you have a regular side scan and you see those fish down there, you still have to make the bite fish. You yeah, you still have to make the fish bite no matter what you're using, and that's the name of the game. Is that's what you have to figure out what makes those fish tick. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's you know, fish the way you want to fish. You know, I I prefer using electronics. And if anybody has a problem with it, that's that's fine. That's on them. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm having fun, and that's that's the ultimate goal for me. This is fishing is is my go to. That is how I decompress. It's how I keep my sanity, and I'm sure a lot of other guys out there, gals out there too, can relate. That's you know that's my church, man. Yeah, for sure. When when you're not at work, like this is this is what you go out and do for fun, no matter how you do it if you're out there and, and you're having a good time, then what's it matter to anybody else? And that's that's something I'll never get, why people uh, say, oh, you do X, Y, Z, that that makes it no better than this. And it's like, okay, dude, like it doesn't matter. I'm out here catching fish, having fun, and uh, it doesn't affect you one bit. But here here people are to to bash about this sort of thing, whether it be because they don't have it or they think it's cheating. But it's just, it's something that everybody everybody sees no matter what and it's especially prevalent in the electronic world i feel like right now in the electronic uh, fishing world yeah it is what it is and 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 that's fine like i said you do you as long as you're happy doing it and not bothering anybody else whatever man exactly exactly um what's what's your instagram i'll I'll make sure to link that in the uh description of the pot or yeah the podcast so anybody can go listen to it but uh instagram and whatever socials you have Yeah, it's uh, B-O underscore Spire, S-P-E-Y-R-E-R. And on Facebook, it's just both Spire, same spelling. Nothing to imagine. Do you have YouTube or anything? I don't. Um, I thought about trying it out, but it seemed like a little more work than I'm ready to get into. <laughs> right. Even even if you just post a couple second clips, more or less. I know guys who, who use YouTube as kind of a time capsule to to have those to have those memories of them catching those fish on there, which 
obviously if that's what you want to do it for do it i mean people are going to enjoy it if you're out there catching five or six pounders on swim baits that's something that everybody listens to this podcast can relate to and would enjoy watching <laughs> sure thing, man. but i want to thank bo for coming on this has uh, been coordinated for the last week or two i want to appreciate him for taking some time out his very busy schedule and his busy family by the sounds of it um so thank you for coming on, Bo. I want to thank you guys for listening. Like I said, make sure you guys check out Bo's Instagram, which I'll leave in the description of the episode. Make sure you guys check out Scales and Tails podcast, which is Scales and Tails underscore podcast. And then uh, make sure you guys leave a review on your listening platform if you haven't already. Five stars is awesome, but make sure you rate it truthfully because I don't want anybody lying about how good or bad the show is. But I want to thank Bo for coming on, and I want to thank you guys for listening. Bye, everybody.